0: Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, we got ready to stuck. It hello,
1: welcome to eight twenty four on the rocks. I will be your, your host for the night. My name is Cole William Whitlaw Gibson. Tonight I am drinking some High West whiskey. To my left you have.
2: What up? My name is Blaze Fitzgerald Ryan the first. I'm repping Failard Heart tonight. I'm drinking water. That's it. Uh, next up what we the got. Fuck?
3: Last episode, you said you would start uh, drinking whiskey. Uh, uh.
2: I, got, I got my shit tomorrow, bro. I'm not going to fucking... You can
3: have one glass. You know what?
0: All right. Well, I'll make up <laughs> for Blaze and his lack of good whiskey. Uh, hello, world. This is Kevin K. Con. Kind of checking tonight. I am drinking Eagle Rare Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey aged 10 years because I can. And I'm classy. Next up, we
3: have... I'm Eric, and I'm drinking uh, Journeyman Featherbone Bourbon Whiskey, same as last week, because it's fucking great. Up next, we have...
4: It's Kelly, your favorite co-conspirator and ally. Yes. And I'm also drinking that same bourbon whiskey that Eric is.
1: So this evening we will be going over the uh, lovely film called *The Captive* from 2014, starring the Dreamboat from Canada, Ryan Reynolds, based in the greatest country, Canada, in Niagara Falls, Canada, Ontario, Canada. This is the best Canadian film that we will be reviewing. And- Had to be, come on. Oh, yeah. And, and wow, hey, that's a heck of yeah. a statement <laughs> there, buddy. I forgot how many Canadian films there are. I'm just yeah. happy that I was a part of this one. I missed Tusk. So, As a yeah. resident Canadian, I was happy to see some representation and actual locations like Niagara Falls, and they filled it from the Canadian side, which is the best side of Niagara Falls. <laughs> but getting into it, The Captive is a story of Matthew, starring Ryan Reynolds. His daughter vanishes mysteriously. His life falls apart. Uh, She basically gets kidnapped and everything basically goes into shambles. About eight years later, uh, photo surfaces of what appears to be his daughter and being fed up with the police, he decides he's going to take it into his own hands and find his daughter. Uh, With that being said, I would like to, uh, I guess, get everyone's... Let's do, uh, as old Kelly says, let's do a little vibe check. How did everyone feel going into this movie? And what was their initial reaction during the intro of it? I will start
4: with Kelly since
1: I'm stealing her piece here.
4: Fair enough. Slow start. And I liked the... I think it was right near the start. We kind of start with that opera overture that's going to follow us throughout the whole movie. Love Me Some Opera. Found that interesting. That use of music on top of the scenery that we were given right to start with, it's just a snowy wasteland. My favorite. Pacing was extraordinarily slow and unenthusiastic was the start of this movie for me.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Eric, what about yourself?
4: Uh, I
3: also had... It takes way too long to set the scene, but also, these timelines, man, they were quite confusing. They kept on <laughs> skipping all over... And I, like, they didn't give any concrete, like, transition from one timeline to another or, like, where they were in the timeline. So I, like, eventually got it. Like, oh, yeah, that's where that was supposed to go. But the director slash editor did not do anything to help us with that. So that was my vibe check right away.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we'll get into the Tide things a little, little bit. Kevin, how about yourself?
0: So much like Kelly, the two things that I noticed right off the bat were the all-white everything, and then of course the opera, which was the Magic Flute by Mozart, which is actually a pretty cool opera um, as a musical nut. Uh, I did a little bit of research, Kind of, it's a German uh, opera, um, but when it's basically translated to English, it's a story of the Queen of the Night, who is a villain, so to speak, and it sets her daughter to murder, and all of the awful revenge things that are related to it. So whether or not that was a directorial intent, the, the opera that follows us throughout, uh, does have a lot of heavy drama to it as well, um, and is relatively famous. So I thought that was excellent uh, to get us started from a musical standpoint. Uh, But much like
1: Kelly, it was also
0: very slow and drawn out. And I wasn't very interested right off the bat outside of the music.
1: All right, Blaze, what about you? What was your vibe for this movie?
2: Yeah, I think uh, what everyone already said is pretty um, astute observations. I agree with Eric a lot in the fact that The time jumping, especially at the beginning, was extremely confusing. My only point of reference was Rosario Dawson's haircuts, which really helped, and The Age of Cast, but the non-linear format was baffling, to say the least. I like this movie so much, I watched it twice, and the second viewing, it was phenomenal, all the setups and everything. So, first initial watch, very confused, didn't understand it, second watch... All
1: the dominoes all the place. So so this was my first time watching the film. Was this everyone else's first time as first well? Time. Okay, yes. so, so, so Blaz- <laughs> okay, so 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 Blaze is Blaze is the only two for eat a back to back session. <laughs> uh, well, I one of my very first notes was about the um the flashbacks and how the very like first flashback they do. There was nothing. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting take. We're like, yeah, cast." the only thing that you notice is cast is a different age. And I was like, well, that's a unique way to do a flashback. But then I realized that there was way more flashbacks and flash forwards occurring in in like the, the whole scene. And it just it became kind of confusing and almost like a jumbled mess on a linear story that could have been told, I think, in a, a much better way. Um, but, uh, Eric, I'll go back to you since you seem to have a strong opinion on it. Um, what did you think about or dive into the flashbacks or how did you feel about that in general? So, how I just portrayed? like I was saying, I don't think they
3: ha- had very good transitions, you know, to transition us from flashback to flash forward to uh, present time. Usually when there's like nonlinear timelines, there are much better transitions from each timeline. And uh, like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, he's a guy that uses a lot of nonlinear time but you always know exactly like when you're flashing back or going back to the present this one not so much and so it made me feel like the editor maybe they shot the movie they fucked up somehow and the editor had to jumble it all together or you know like maybe the director and the editor came together and thought like oh this would be much better if we mixed up all these timelines and i guess my question to blaze i guess you watched this twice do you was there a reason for the non linear timeline? Because I don't think it added that much to the suspense for me. So, uh,
2: yeah, I do agree as far as like the thriller aspect of it. I don't think it added anything to it, especially when you knew who the bad guy was the first time you met him, mm-hmm. uh, which was like the first scene of the movie. The uh, cryptic messaging that Cass told Matthew Ryan Reynolds' character when they met in the snow after his Christmas trees were stolen. All that builds up on itself as a way like this. Uh, Gross pedophile ring like entraps girls. So the way that she's practicing her lines, the way that when she's a daughter before she gets kidnapped, uh, she talks about like uh the difference between tricks and uh what was it and gimmicks? Gimmicks. Yeah, gimmicks. and that and that definitely comes back as like in stronger like themes, like theatrically. But as far as like the actual plot, the time skips really don't do anything for me as far as the plot is concerned. I think they all could have done it in uh, succession, and it wouldn't have been, like, that out of place.
3: Yeah, so that choice to do that makes me think the director was, you know, he, he didn't th- go into it thinking he was going to do that, and he ended up jumbling it all up, which makes me think he didn't do a good job.
1: Yeah. Kevin, my
0: man, you got your hands up. All of this, what we're talking about right now, I think that it basically confuses the viewer. Like, you if you're not paying exactly attention to every single syllable and moment and, like, taking notes as you're watching this thing, like, it confuses the hell out of you. Like, why is the first scene that we see... The mom with big dark sunglasses talking to Rosario Dawson, and, like, it just seemed odd, and I know we beat this to a dead horse, but I didn't like it, and it confused me, and if I watched it again, I'm sure it would make sense more, but it wouldn't make it any more suspenseful.
4: Yeah, Kelly? My question for all of you, am I better than everyone? <laughs> oh. I didn't find it confusing at all. <laughs> I thought that it made, it that, maybe it was, like, quick with the introductions for everybody, and the timeline was all over, but I didn't find it confusing... And then it kind of slowed down and was more obvious to me when the past and the future was, as soon as the kidnapping actually occurs, then it was super easy to follow. And also your brain instantly knew what all the scenes that it was already given, halfway where through those the movie, kind of fit in.
3: Yeah. Halfway through the movie, I got yeah, it. I would agree with like, you 100%. I would say
4: even s- yep. sooner than that. And uh, to go off of why I think that they might have made a decision like this, I do think it's supposed to add some suspense. I'll give my thoughts later if I think there was any. but. <laughs> It, um for like the first time before we meet the cop, the woman who's kind of like leading everything, we know that she is going to go missing because that's how we even were introduced to her face the whole time. And it just kind of tells you, okay, later we're going to go back in the past and figure out something else happened to him. It was like a murder mystery podcast where they start at telling you what happens to them. And then we're going to go back and tell you how that happened.
1: Okay, so here's the, here's my problem with the time jumps, and let's like, uh, so back to what you were talking about where, you know, I love a good snowy landscape, and I love, like, good snowstorms and everything like that, but this film takes place over, what, like, eight, nine years or something like that, and you got all these time jumps back, present, future, whatever, and it's always winter, and it's always a snowstorm, and it's always the exact same setting, and that's what drove me crazy, because you know granted canada yeah it's cold it does get snow but it's not snow 24 7 all the time also i don't know what landscaper is trying to bring trees to a job site in the middle of a snowstorm that's just nine. i don't know what's <laughs> happening in that whole whole it was a bullshit because no one's fucking buying trees then but <laughs> i i digress uh the biggest thing that my big takeaway was like i think they just didn't have a big budget and they just all filmed it all in like you know fucking four weeks or whatever and they're like oh it's always snowing who who cares <laughs> I, I don't know it bothered me but uh going into like the i guess the environment how did everyone feel about it being a constant snowstorm kind of shit show did anyone actually like it
0: uh i think Yeah, I thought it was an artistic choice, and the fact that they consistently stuck with it from top to bottom kind of aided to some of the cinematography for me, because it was truly the backdrop of everything that they were going to do from start to finish. So all of our chase scenes, all of our action scenes, the non-stuff, even the sentimental stuff focused around ice skating. Um, I just thought, in general, I thought that was a cool touch to keep it consistent across the whole board. Personal I agree with the
4: sentiment. I also feel that all of our characters are pretty depressed, um, and the... (laughs) scene that they're in lends to the emotion that they're feeling that maybe we should be also feeling
3: i'm always pro uh, snowstorm one of my favorite movies is fargo so i'm okay. always down for a good snowstorm
1: so here yeah, did you look up the the like movie poster for this film yes. it looks very very similar to it the does. movie poster of fargo yeah. like i looked at it and i was like i'm pretty sure i've seen this before and i looked up fargo and so i was like they're pretty, pretty freaking pretty similar. similar. Yeah. So the child gets abducted. Ryan Reynolds uh, freaks out, has a breakdown. When the police like conduct their interview, what was your like initial reaction to how uh, I guess they treated Ryan Reynolds in that situation? I'm interested to see what your guys' thoughts are on that one, uh, Blaze. Since you've seen it twice, how do you feel about? portrayal of that interview i think it was very very down to earth and
2: set in like how uh father would actually be treated i think scott speedman was the most wonderful asshole cop that you could have asked for and um it was it was very reminiscent because i i majored in criminology i do know that you're always trying to get someone to uh slip up and the first suspects are a, the last person you were with, or B, a family member. And Ryan Reynolds met both that criteria. So when he's slipping up on how old she is, what the name of uh, restaurant or the pie shop lady was, they were trying to fall, get him into a trap. And it's very unfair to him because he's obviously emotionally damaged and at a very weak point. And that's what uh, Scott Speedman was doing. He was really just trying to push him to his limits. So I actually really liked that aspect of it where it was super grounded in reality about how... Uh, cops would actually, uh, treat, you know, not officially a witness, but trying to get him, uh,
3: trying to get him on edge a little bit. These are the kind of cops that make people dislike police. That's what I think. (laughs) Like he was the biggest fucking asshole. And I, I mean, he's the kind of cop that would, you know, search you without any reason. He's the kind of cop that just is just a general dick to people. And, you know, I get it that the family members should always be questioned first. I mean, it, and I get that probably cops really do question people that way, but if that's the way people are getting questioned all the time after their kids go missing, we need to think of a better way to police in this country. Ooh, that's actually in Canada, not the United States, so. Well, yeah, I mean, Canada, <laughs> too. I mean, like, yeah. Checkmate. <laughs> True. I mean, police all over, you, you know. No, I agree. That's, I, yeah. This was written by, an. like, wasn't it written by an American? like
1: who cares (laughs) he's canadian so i
3: don't
1: know Uh, kelly do you have any opinions (laughs) on how how they were handling the situation
4: i appreciate uh what blaze said about how the cop went about it because he really irritated me a lot i also thought thought that it was interesting with the other uh woman who was a cop whose name i don't remember she was going into it, she was like, I don't usually interview grown-ups, or like something like that. (laughs) Um, So I found their playing off of each other was very interesting, because it wasn't even necessarily good cop, bad cop. It was kind of oblivious working on it, asking general question cop and (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. Just, like, drove him nuts, and it made me feel so bad for Matthew, or Ryan Reynolds' character. And I also think that that scene was like some of Ryan Reynolds, like best acting ever. It's this frustration and are they helping me or are they hurting me? It's a great scene to put an actor in to let them shine. And I think that he really did shine in that scene. Uh, The a-hole cop irritated me so much. (laughs) So I guess he was a pretty successful actor as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely was on the side that I hated the interviews and the cops, but with, with, you know, I guess the the insight that Blaze brought, I understand, I guess, why they do it, but yeah, I just like it, it irritated me and I was just like, these, these people just fucking suck. And in general, I think like my last comment on this thing was like, is every person in this film just like kind of a piece of shit? But that besides Ryan Reynolds because that's what it seemed like to me. Uh, but going off of Kelly, what you just said about you thinking Ryan Reynolds like nailed the acting, I, I want to ask, you know, you guys because at this point in Ryan Reynolds' career, it was honestly, um, I was reading an article that was talking about how he was on like the cusp, of basically just like falling off and of not being an actor anymore because he had several like major flops before this, including like the Green Lantern that was huge failure the rpd whatever that weird western oh yeah or not western oh yeah R I R I P D. that was another like massive failure that happened in um 2013 and then he in 2014 takes this role and his the idea was that he was going to take this role as a like low budget film to really get his acting chops back and get his foot back in the door I- obviously he's now gone on to make the deadpool and all this other stuff and is everyone loves ryan reynolds but do you think that this movie showed his true range and he really you know stood out as a as a good actor from this film and kind of saved himself so kevin
0: yeah um there's many scenes throughout this film where i found myself just like being in awe of some of the emotion that ryan reynolds was able to portray Even from the very first scene when his daughter goes missing, you can feel the panic start setting in on his face as he's walking quicker or he's moving his arms more or he's speeding up his speech when he's interacting with people. And I can just feel that panic coming in. And then the scene that we just talked about with the cop, like he truly had an ability to explain the emotion of what it might feel like to have that happen to you not only the initial real emotion, but also what happens eight years of not knowing anything and the emotion of holding all of that in. And as the scene progresses and as we kind of see all of that and it comes up to his climax when he meets his daughter, right? Some of the rush of emotions, like even his reaction to his wife at different times where it was just kind of like constantly getting beat down and then he just snaps Right, the moment where he strikes the cop all of these little things and it was just so refreshing to see him take a serious role and really make me believe in what he was saying what he was feeling and what his emotions were throughout the entire film I just really enjoyed his performance
1: Eric?
3: Yeah, Ryan Reynolds had a great performance in this. He was the one lone bright spot, I think, uh, in I mean, I, I think Rosario Dawson was a pretty good actor, too, but the pedophile, he was not a very good actor. I don't think the uh, daughter <laughs> was a very good actor. I, I think that Ryan Reynolds, he like he actually really fit this role and took it upon himself to be that guy, that you know, this, this guy in intense grief for years. He really embodied it, and I I give props to him for that. Uh, even though I found many other parts of this film a little disappointing, I still think that he was a lone bright spot, for sure. Fair enough. Blaze, do you have any more input? Yeah, I think this...
1: on the man that is Ryan Reynolds?
2: This was uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think he did a better job in Buried, uh, just because he basically acted by himself in that one. Uh, when Kelly was talking about the um, the questioning... The the way that his just his face changes between like, you know, where he's trying to explain himself to, oh my God, they're questioning me, like Mm -hmm. that look of confusion. Like you you don't teach that. Like that is just amazing. And as you were saying, he was coming off like, you know, films like The Green Lantern and Rip, what I totally forgot about. Um, so yeah, this uh even though it wasn't a commercial success, I think this uh movie really uh just elevated him to the type of actor that we all wanted him to be. Um as, you know, we have Ryan Pattinson simps. We have, uh, you
3: know... Uh,
1: Robert Pattinson. Robert, uh, Robert Pets. Jake, and Ryan Jake, Jake
2: Gyllenhaal <laughs> simps. You know, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds simp. So, um, And I would also like to refute, Eric, I think that Kevin Duran did an amazing job as the bad guy. He was the other linchpin in this film that really brought it together for me. So yeah. I think he was very good at just playing like the dirty, disgusting, child pedophile ring owner that... Uh, he was supposed to play.
0: He reminded me much more of a Bond villain than he did an actual, like, real-life someone that I could believe was being a pedophile. Like, yes, he, he was creepy, but it was over the top. It was far too weird. It was never really when, quite explained. Where did it and, go like, too that, far? Yeah, it just felt like, no oh,
2: Mr. Bond.
0: Uh, it, it was too unexplained in some circumstances. Like, with the weird piano stuff and just, like, the way he was longing after, like, just looking, it just felt unexplained and odd to me. I don't know personal preference right
3: kelly i want to give give you the props for this one the pedophile whose name is mika what cartoon character did he remind you of
4: bugs bunny
3: (laughs) he was exactly like bugs bunny it was so fucking weird
4: not necessarily in behavior but his the way he he looked and and (laughs) moves through the world is extremely bugs you know what
3: yeah it when you pointed that out I was like holy shit this this just ruined this whole character for me actually. <laughs> I guess I need to watch yeah.
1: <laughs> I need to do a side by side comparison. He's the gray uh, hair, the,
3: the facial structure yeah. definitely is uh Bugs Bunny like. The uh
2: the first viewing I saw he looked like a knockoff of uh, John Waters. So <laughs> Uh but no I think he did great. Okay. I think he did a really good job. So
4: God. I, can- I mean sorry I, I can't control myself. I've had some bourbon but he was awful, like the worst ever of all time under- acting that we've we've come across so far. That was so the far. worst he acting. Was so exhaustingly bad. How? It was like amateur community theater. It was, and that that is insulting to them because they actually... I've been... They do a great what? job. He did worse.
2: Do you have any specifics or are we just gonna, like, just say that it he is... sucked?
3: Because that's, like... Oh, you know, boy. I think it's okay for a bad guy to be eccentric, right? Like... The way he talked, the way he talked, he could not... I... Like, he was muttering all the time.
4: Yeah, he he was a mutterer. It. He was so... rigid, but in, like, not a real way. It was like he read a... I don't even know how I want to describe this like a 200-word synopsis of pedophiles. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got it. I don't need to do any more research. I feel confident in my abilities. Nobody give me notes. And then he just was like, how can I be creepy? Mm-hmm. And then failed over and over. And then they didn't do him any favors by like, "We can. you can tell he's creepy because he has a mirror set up next to him while he watches people on video. Isn't he spooky? And he has a sorry i'm going off but he has this when he does his uh (laughs) what what is the thing that he says when he's like we have encryption that even god can't reach yeah it's like
3: encryption (laughs) encrypted beyond the reach of god yeah that's
4: already a really stupid thing to say and two you delivered it like an Idiot! It was horrible. <laughs>
2: maybe you need to watch it twice. Can I have
4: Can I have this opinion now? Hey, you know <laughs> what?
2: Ag- so, okay, agree to disagree, man. I thought he was really half the movie
1: of why I liked it so much. Okay, okay. Well, let's let's just uh, let's throw throw let's move, move on, on from this. But I am interested to see like what is your guys' reaction on how Cass interacted with him and how she just like. Her overall how she interacted as being someone that had been held captive for eight years and was staring at a computer screen at her mom cleaning up hotel rooms, I guess, for for eight years. Like what what are your thoughts on how like how she, I guess, was portrayed and acted? Because I don't know, at least from my point of view, I just felt like it wasn't um I guess realistic in the way that she like was so together and like in one piece and seemed coherent and, and aware of the surroundings and was just like you know this is you know i don't know she just seemed too coherent i guess or too together just uh blaze would you want to start this one off after your man got <laughs> dismantled uh, by kelly uh, dismantled is a strong word um <laughs> misinformed maybe but
2: uh <laughs> i'm kidding i love you kelly Ooh. So yeah, YouTube so take I think the actress back. that played her uh played her kind of bland, but I do think it was supposed to show the effects of Stockholm syndrome and probably the the effects of just being in a helpless situation and, you know, giving it the best, you know, this is the best life you're going to get, so you might as well, you know, make the most of it. Uh she she ended up being a recruiter once she turned 18. I thought they were going to do more with that, but she only really like the only Real thing we got to see was her talk to Rosario Dawson's, like, niece or whatever. And uh, that was just part of another plot point. So I thought, like, the intentions with her character were good, but it was just, it just wasn't enough for me as far as, you know, either go all in on, like, the Stockholm Syndrome and, you know, being part of the recruiting or, you know, have her try to, like, escape sequences or something like that. But there was really, they tried to meet it it in the middle, and that really didn't work for me.
3: Blaze, have you ever seen Room Uh, with Brie Larson? No, it's, it's 824, so we're going to watch it later. That is the quintessential, I think, like depiction of a woman who has been sexually abused and locked in a room. It's, I mean, extremely sad. She adds so much depth to that character, Brie Larson does in that movie. And in this one, I don't get a ton of depth. I, I feel like we have uh actors that are playing characters really on the surface her and the pedophile they're very much like okay i'm a pedophile i'm gonna act like you know a pedophile creepy and then her she's just kind of like you know i've been abducted you know i've been abused i'm gonna act like kind of angsty but uh i'm not gonna provide much depth to my character and that's how i'm kind of feeling about her
1: uh in this in this role
3: kevin do you
1: have any input on this one
0: Earlier, I was talking about being a little confused with the time jumps and some of the the subtext and plot that was happening, and I was not any more confused, or I should rephrase that, I was the most confused during the times where she was trying to act out his scripts or do something with the with the questions and the line like with a little bit less what was it self pity I think mm-hmm. is what he said or something along those lines, and it was just I didn't get any real depth to those characters at all from those conversations i couldn't feel what she was trying to, to convey was she upset was she sneaking trying to be conniving conniving and get out of there it was just like eric had mentioned there was no depth to the character it felt very kind of loose and maybe if you watch it again it might have a different opinion on it from kind of knowing the way that it goes but there was no point in time where that actress really i went that was that was good great line or or excellent you know scene or something along those lines i was kind of just she was there um i honestly liked the the kid version uh better than than the the older one as far as just coming to just being innocent and setting up the movie correctly for me so but that's that
4: i agree completely kevin said oh well everybody (laughs) said it really well but she's the epitome of like the go girl give us nothing she fed us yeah. nothing to work with she delivered things in a lackluster way and amazing that she doesn't seem traumatized after all of the very vague things that the movie wants to tell us happen <laughs> fill in the blank and you can tell mm-hmm. what it happened because she tells you nothing through the way that she behaves with anyone or anything ever so the vagueness carried through. Right. And half
0: of her lines are yeah. scripted, right? I mean, half of the lines come from something that was written for her by somebody else, and in this case a weird yeah. pedophile. Like
1: this is just no. mell- I got a question. God. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Eric. Uh, Blaze, since you know criminology a little bit, do cops really just sit in a room and watch child porn together? All the time. I mean that's that was their off time. I'm
2: just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Oh uh, but like you um. know, I'm sure that specific task force, if they had a specific task force for child predators, I'm sure they would have to um, you know, if you ever seen like Chris Hansen to catch a predator, I'm sure these yeah adults go on uh chat sites and they talk to extremely creepy weirdos and they have to see extremely creepy images. Um it's part of the job. So yeah, I think there's uh some uh realism to that. Although one of the weird things, speaking of the cops. The guy who like guessed the puzzle, I thought he was gonna have such a bigger role in this.
1: Oh yeah, my, yeah. that whole that, yeah, that whole task yeah, right? force. They were like they set up. Look at this, we got this task force. We got Rain Man. We got Techno over here. We got all these like we got you know Q from James Bond. We're ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Ignore them. We're going back over here. You'll see them when the movie's done.
4: Here's the superhero squad. Moving on. Yeah, yeah.
1: bald guy, then, you're getting shot.
3: Yeah, That's all. I- they do nothing. <laughs> it just seems so weird that there's just a bunch of like cops sitting in a room watching child porn. But like, I get, I get it. That's probably what they have to do to catch people
1: yeah so. well you gotta think like you know every <laughs> yeah. time you know sadly there's a photo or a video of mm. like a of a minor being you know assaulted and stuff there could be some evidence or some indicator of where yeah. the location is and all that stuff or personnel so yeah. and i could not do yeah. it but uh you it's know a... good good, <laughs> good for them
0: before we move on to that to <laughs> super squad i think that they only really existed at all to further the relationship between our mm-hmm. asshole detective and Rosario Duck. Which w- I feel like the whole, like, having to make a wow. love story randomly out of those two, because you now have to set the fact that Rosario Dawson's character is a leader, right? She's a respected individual who has a team that loves her. And I'm doing – the viewers can't – or listeners can't see me, but I'm being very <laughs> sarcastic with my comments. Like, it was not well done
3: at all. Yeah. That Photoshop just... moment, too. Like, yeah, yeah, put – you know, oh, make her yeah. ears bigger. Uh, yeah, make her cross Cross, eye, yeah. cross her eye.
1: That, that, didn't he yeah. say that that makes her hot or something? Yes. Yeah. Right, oh and then gosh. immediately connects yep. with the pedophile. That was like, weird. Uh... <laughs> so, Yay. so moving into the police work of this story, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I guess, frustrated or confused by the mom, because she kept, like, did, I guess, maybe I missed it in this film, but did she not tell the police until after she got, like, the third or fourth, like, clue left in a room for her that's clearly about her daughter from like the brush to the trophy to the tooth and then the pit wheels is what finally like (laughs) sets her off and they like bring the cops in and then they immediately just find a camera and it's like like i guess my question is what was the mom doing or like what like i i guess i don't did i miss something or did she just keep all of that to herself the whole time The timelines were fucking fucking weird. Yeah,
3: that's that's where it got a little weird there was that they kept on going back and forth to her in this room, finding more clues. And then she finally called the cops and called, you know, Rosario Dawson's character, Detective Nicole Dunlop. uh, She finally called her. That's when, like, towards the end, they finally started putting things together. I
0: think because they're separated and living apart from each other because of the whole guilt complex and everything that she's probably not sharing a lot of the things that's happened. Was that done in on
3: one day though? Basis. She does, like that, um, her finding all that stuff was in one day. I thought. I don't think so. No, I didn't
2: really. So. No, I okay. think it was over a long period. No, but she did tell right okay. She didn't tell Ryan Reynolds about the comb, at least.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he goes, yeah. that's weird." <laughs> that yeah. was the well, entire. I mean, line. that I think because
2: like, it was the first, right. like present um you know it was probably just they thought it more of a coincidence than anything because it was a you know a room that was obviously used already and yeah. uh, how many combs looking like each other you know if i saw like one of those black barbershop combs i'd be like my dad had one of those you know he's you know it's not his it just looks like it so the first one could be written off as a coincidence
4: i interpreted it that the order of events if it even matters, would be the one where she freaks out the most was the last one that we see before the cops are called. But to me, maybe that was the very first thing that she saw because her child going missing was so fresh that she freaked out the most. And then over time, maybe she just starts like there's who knows, there's all kinds of other stuff that she's going to see left behind in rooms. Maybe some's an association, maybe some's not. But those ones that we see are specifically the ones that they planted there to get a reaction. Maybe over time, she doesn't react as outwardly towards it, but I do think that the cops finally coming was clearly towards the end of the story.
1: Okay. Now, going off uh, again with the mom, do, uh, Kelly, I'll stick with you on this one, do you think that her feelings towards Ryan Reynolds were valid on, like, it is his fault and he should, you know, feel guilty and feel terrible for losing their daughter?
4: Yeah, uh, I do. I think that she might have, this is not projecting, but this is whatever that word is where you diagnose people that you don't know. I think that she has a personality disorder of sorts. Just the way that when they are together, she kind of behaves over the top loving and everything like with him, like even they're sitting like on the when the kids are leaving the ice rink and they're kind of like leaning against each other, they're cuddling and she's like over the top, goodbye, goodbye, running away. Uh, Like this kind of like childish kind of personality. And then the same thing carries forward when everything happens. Um, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way that you could behave in that kind of scenario. But even as time goes on and she's talking to the cops, it shows you just how quickly her emotions snap, maybe even faster than she knows that it's happening uh, goes from hope to you've asked too many questions and now I'm angry Uh, who knows how anyone would react in that scenario until it happens Um, and I think that the way that they had that actress act was believable and realistic
1: so you I guess do do you actually think Ryan Reynolds is at fault though for like Mm -hmm. his daughter getting kidnapped
4: no but okay. I could understand why she would put all the blame there. Going back to uh,
3: you know, it, it's in Canada. They leave their doors unlocked there everywhere. Like they're like they it's he great. left his car doors unlocked. Uh, you know, there there was this uh moment in Bowling from Columbine, the Michael Moore film, where he went over to Windsor and literally started walking around trying to open people's front doors. A ton of them just had their do- front doors open. <laughs> um, I think over there, him having his doors unlocked, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, I I still I don't blame him though. Like uh, for that you can't victim blame somebody uh when the aggressor you know is the one doing the crime. Just because he you know the one time he went into a diner to get his daughter pie, he forgot to lock his door. You know that's just uh, it's an accident. You know you can't like blame somebody for the rest of their life even though the results were fatal.
0: So I think we need to look at this from the actress's or the character's point of view, not necessarily what real life maybe dictates in this scenario. Um, In that first conversation they're having in the diner there where she's wearing those sunglasses and they're kind of talking and she's talking about how lonely it is in the house. And she mentions that she wants Matthew to feel guilty, right? She wants him to feel that. And she only can rationalize it because it's the only thing that makes sense. He didn't, he was the adult and responsible for the child, and the child was abducted under his care because everything else doesn't make sense. Like, why her? Why in this small town? Why in this situation? Like, why all these gifts? Why all these crazy things? Like, none of that makes sense. But what does make sense is taking out, she can blame someone, right? She can physically focus in on something and it says, Your fault. This is because of you. And I, you know, I think that's real. I think that a lot of people find. You know, excuses or the grudges, right? That term grudge, which people hold on to things for years, decades. You know, you talk about siblings who don't talk to each other over something small that happened when they were kids and they just never get over it. And that's a real, real feeling. And I, I felt that from this character. So is it, is Ryan Reynolds to blame? Absolutely not. But, I can absolutely empathize with that character and feel where she's coming from and why she acts the way she does towards him
1: blaze. Any, uh
2: any, <clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, one of the big heavy themes of this film is grief and how people deal with it. And I think they do a really good job between how, uh, Ryan Reynolds is proactive about what happens to his daughter to the point of almost vigilantism. And where his wife who, um, again, everyone grieves different. So, her initial thought is to blame a person that she can tangibly see, hear, touch, feel, um, instead of uh looking at the bigger picture of getting their daughter back. And it's very uh telling in the way that Ryan Reynolds' uh character, Matthew, is proactive in the fact that he's actively looking you uh I believe in one of the diner scenes, it might, it might've been a separate scene. She was telling like, oh, uh, he like goes on these big road trips and he says he's always looking for her. Like, you know, and she was like almost at a mocking tone. Meanwhile, she is more redactive in the fact that she goes to see the cops. Like, you know, he said like every other week or something like that to talk about the case. So she's relying all the anger and mistrust and all that, and all the feelings of loss towards the police as almost as to gifted away her grief where he's taking on the grief fully and trying to do something about it. So I really feel like how she acted versus how uh, Ryan Reynolds acted was very uh, important to the themes of the film and grief in general of such a traumatic loss.
1: Moving into the story. So obviously, you know, Ryan Reynolds and and, um, his wife, they lose their daughter. Then a photo shows up. They kind of get a glimmer of hope and uh, through like the, more investigating and stuff uh rosario dawson gets more and more involved to the point where she herself gets kidnapped and basically held captive by this ring of pedophiles or as you eventually find out they're just called watchers which is a subsect or something that was uh thrown in the mix do you think that added to the story or kind of diluted it or made it a little bit more convoluted what like what are your guys's thoughts do you think that aspect you know really ramped up the stakes and made it you know higher tier or was that an unnecessary uh thing to add into the film i'll start with you eric
3: uh i think it would have been better if there was a better resolution uh so i guess we're asking this question now the resolution was like it was after already the kind of emotional climax of the film where they ended up finding their daughter again, Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds, and the wife. Uh, and then it's just kind of like this little montage at the end where they just kind of like walk in to see her in the van. And she's just like kind of like she's looking like she's passed out, you know, from not eating a lot of food. But I also have a question. Both times in this film, when she went missing, they blamed the male cop, J- Detective Jeffrey Corn- Corn- uh, Cornwall. They blamed him for not going with her that night, you know, like, to to the ball. The Anything for Love Foundation, which is also a really weird name for a foundation to find kids. Yeah, they they blame him, you know, for not going with her that night when she's a female cop who could easily take care of herself. Uh, And then, obviously, earlier we have had all this blame on uh, Ryan Reynolds' character. It's like, are we always just blaming, like, the men in these situations uh, that, you know, kind of accidentally... They made they made a mistake, I guess, or not even that. They they didn't know what was going to happen to these women and their wife, and they always get blamed for it. I, I don't understand, like, that point there, why why they kept blaming them, you know? No, I was just saying we kind of touched
0: on it earlier, like why Rino Reynolds' character is blamed, right? He's the father and the last person just because he yeah, happens well, to be the man in that circumstance. I don't think we're talking about a gendered situation. But,
3: like, in this point, too, though, they yes. blame the male cop – just because he had an argument with his wife and decided not to attend this uh, foundation ball with with well,
4: her. The old, only one who's <laughs> blaming him that I remember is one of the people that was involved in the whole yeah,
3: thing. Yeah, wo- no, the- no, no, she wasn't involved. No, it was, uh,
1: yeah. it was, it was uh, Vince's wife yeah. was sitting at the table.
3: Yeah, she was a wo- just another woman there that was just blaming him like it.
4: No, she was involved in the whole thing. She
3: asked him not to go. No,
4: the boss she asked him
3: not to go, and he said, yeah. okay. I, I, no, the boss didn't know anything right, right. about that. He was just a dick that night, yeah. right?
4: No, they were all involved. All right, at the table. <laughs> they were all involved? Um, I didn't think they, they when were. When they're at the table and we're introduced to Elvira, you can tell she's evil by the way she looks. And she's there with the drugs ready to go, and Bugs Bunny is there. Bugs Bunny yeah. is great friends with. Golf man, that's like his dad who brought him up in the business. They're all in cahoots together. So is the wife of that man as okay, well. Okay, I didn't get you that. No, because yeah. when you come to the table where there's one empty spot, the woman comes down, Elvira. I don't know, Ghislaine Maxwell, whatever we want to call her. She puts down that drugged water, and the wife. Maybe we can give her some credit, and she's just like, "Oh no, that's not an empty seat." Yeah, she points at the water that she sat down and tells her to put it over there, where the woman's actually sitting. I thought that sitting.
3: was, like, she was like, no, you're putting in the wrong, like, that's I thought not she a... was telling
1: her to move. Yeah, not, she was telling her not to not move. Not only that, but she, the She, she told the her to put the drugged
4: water the... where the cop is sitting.
1: Um, I, I thought she sat... Land. The
0: detective tried calling, remember the detective tried calling her wife, like, multiple, multiple times and never returned any calls. Like, if she was a good, upstanding citizen and cared about where this person was going, she would return the calls to the detective and would have been all over it. But she was ducking him until he actually caught up with the husband, who we haven't actually talked about, Bruce Greenwood, because he was so irrelevant in the whole damn thing. Then he says, well, you probably should talk to the detective. Well, yeah,
3: he he seemed like a dipshit misogynist, and his wife was just trying to... Be like, I oh shit! This detective, people. like, uh, got you know. All right, here's
4: here's the other thing. Yeah. At the start of the movie, as well, Bugs Bunny and the Boss Man have a conversation. Sorry, listeners, I didn't remember anyone's names. Hope you know who I'm talking about. And he says something to them like, "You can't treat them like you're your. They're your friends. They're your clients. They never talk about what they do really as a business." He's talking about He's the a rain. welder. Yeah.
3: That's what he yeah. said. Yeah, he said yeah. their I tra- thought they were talking he, about their actual business. He
1: said they're tradesmen. Yeah. So Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah Bugs Bunny's Mika, by the way, and uh, Bruce Greenwood was Vince Gray. Yeah, just to I, well. But, it, well.
3: <laughs> if that was the case, then they didn't do a very good job of uh, clearing that up. I guess that's
1: that's what we're finding from this. Can I? So. I was under no. the impression that Vince Gray was just a misogynistic asshole, yeah. and his wife was just full. of I it. thought so yeah. too. But I could also see that I thought they were going to tie in. I, I I had to dig. I guess I. Thought there there was a chance that Vince Gray was going to be a part of the ringleader, which they never expand on the ring. So spoilers: Mika gets shot and killed, and then the ring goes away, and everyone's like, oh, "We did it!" Even though they talk about there's a massive pedophile ring and all that stuff. But I I didn't make. I guess I never felt like I got like clear indication that they were a part of it. Yeah. Kelly, continue.
4: I I thought that so going back that whole scene, I thought was an important scene to have. We were talking about if they needed the cop to be kidnapped or not. Um, I think that they did need that. That scene was interesting because these kinds of people in this vague underground CP world—they're the people that might be at a beautiful gala with you. You never know who the ones who profiting off of all of this is, and that's a whole conspiracy theory that is brought up pretty often nowadays. But I think that that was needed because they, you could be eating dinner with people who are you in these eating kind pizza, of things. Or you could be eating. Cheese pizza with these people. Now that's a he, reference. I'm sending emails about it, but uh I, I think that it was important. I think that they did need it. And then Eric said this was a while ago now, about after the climax conclusion of the movie. Then it's like the cops, like the afterthought afterwards, and it just the energy of that whole ending poorly executed. But I do think they needed both of these things to go on. It also gave a whole cop an actual reason to step into gear and help yeah. out our main characters.
2: I just want to. I just want to say in the version that I saw that she never got rescued. So I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck you guys are talking about. Really? Really? What? They're they're at the um, they're at the hospital bed where uh, Scott Speedman got shot. Uh, so Scott oh, Speedman gets bed. shot. I do remember that. And he's in the hospital. I do bed. remember that. Yeah,
3: he was at a hospital bed. And
2: mm-hmm. Cass says, "Don't worry, I think they're close." And then yeah. for me, oh, yeah, immediately yeah, 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 yeah. they show Cass getting on the ice. There was nothing like I. I don't know what you guys are talking about.
3: <laughs> there is a scene where she was in the van, and the cops move in on the van and like uh there's like the a... van and she's in there looking like she's food deprived it's and yeah it was... it's so fu- yep. right, right, right right in that right red dress.
4: Yeah. In a stunning scene by our best actor, Bugs Bunny, after they kill him and they <laughs> shoot him and he's on the floor and they say, where is she? Where is she? And he goes, 14th birthday that she did. And it's like, he just sits there and stammers forever while he's dying on the floor and says 14th birthday. I think we saw two different movies. somehow find the location of the van. I think we saw two different movies. No,
0: they're- Hey, no, we've got super cops. Remember, oh, super yeah. There's we like
1: literally, it's 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 maybe 30 seconds <laughs> yep. right before Cass gets on the ice. I just I just wait back and looked. I'll it up. go back and look it up. Uh, and if, the version uh, I saw. If did you watch it? I watched it on Showtime. Eric said. That's what Eric said. Lack of resolution. I was going to
2: correct him and say there was no resolution.
1: <laughs> it's at it's no, at, they, it's at type stamp 14645. If you want to look it up. I'll be looking up, but yeah. I swear to but... I've seen this movie twice now. It's not like I, like... <laughs> well, not, not very well, but...
4: Lazy, <laughs> in your version, did they have better acting? Uh... Yeah,
1: clearly. Yeah, yeah. so
4: Bug... be the difference. And, yeah, so Bug... And
2: Mika never said 14 or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, he does. He gets shot, and the cop's like, where is she, where is she? And he's like, her 14th birthday, she's in a van, and then he dies... And then they, they're like, instantly they're like, Fan, we know exactly where she's at. They never mention it. Don't talk about it ever again until, mm-hmm. like, towards the end, right before Caskets on the thing, there's just a bunch of cops, and they roll open a door, and we're like, she was right here the whole time. Got we her. found her. I feel
0: like the director was like, let's flip a coin. Heads mm. she lives, tails she dies. And they had no time to film it, so it was, you know, heads she lived, and they had to film it. And that was so- the movie. <laughs> It was dead,
1: no. which just bad. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got on a little bit of a tangent there, but uh, so obviously at the end, the bad guy dies, they save Rosario Dawson, uh, Cass gets saved, uh, the family reunites, uh, and she, you, she, you see her, uh, getting back onto the ice, and it's like a big climatic of oh my god, she's gonna learn how to skate again, or she's gonna start skating again. My question to you guys is, um, do you think she could still be good enough to skate with that other boy, or is her career over and he's stuck skating solo? It's over.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't think she could be the like amazing figure skater she was once promised to be. But yeah, I mean, the, the end is just her like back on the ice. I don't think she's supposed to be uh back I in know. her career. Yeah, she's definitely forever messed up from this whole experience.
1: And uh, she seemed yeah. fun. she she, She is is crazy but she she is fine yeah she she did (laughs) kind of seem fine that's the thing
3: i agree there she seems kind of fine at the end which is she's like smiling i guess you know okay listen She's standing on the ice and she's allowed to smile they didn't really do much to show like how she might be forever like screwed up from this which is part of um Rosario, rosario dawson's speech at the anything for love foundation she's like these kids never have a happy
1: resolution so yeah, this one did.
4: I did find it weird that her ice skating friend just wasn't there in the end. Even if he was just on the sidelines, they didn't even have to be near each other. Maybe maybe we give it credit and she has some kind of trauma against being around people. I'm sure that they didn't think about that. Maybe they did. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm being dumb. But they should have they should have had some like resolution between these two. Well, I
0: I think they give him the credit, right? Because without him, he doesn't follow the van yeah. and find them and find... It. So he's the driving force. And maybe that's where the daughter's like, go look at him, because it's the gimmick thing. and that's why. But that was even poorly mm-hmm. done. Like, what was that line supposed Before to give the Before we move to ratings,
3: yeah. uh, this film, you know, the director must have really lo- lo- not liked cops, like Canadian cops, because... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds literally just did the whole fucking investigation for them and, like, was the only person that, like, was actually catching on to leads and the only reason that this guy ended up getting captured. Like, yeah, they did the footwork at the end, but Ryan Reynolds, he tracked them down. He he actually did the police work the whole time while these other Scott Speedman was just a dick the whole
1: time and, yeah, he did the footwork, but he ended up getting shot. So he, you know, not a good cop. Yeah, but we didn't see Ryan Reynolds do a single puzzle. Okay. That's that <laughs> super, that yeah. super team. Where's where where puzzle, yeah. where puzzle, puzzle Man?
3: Ryan Reynolds had none of the uh, resources that all those people did, yet he was the one that ended up putting the phone in the car and like finding them at this diner because he knew that those two would probably end up talking to um, his daughter's you know, figure skating partner. And he, he knew, like, what to do to, like, stick around this situation. He never gave up on it, and he followed the leads correctly, and, you know, he was the guy that actually ended up solving this. So, like, yes, the police did the footwork in the end, but he was the guy that actually solved this whole thing. Why was creepy
0: wig lady talking to the figure skating boy in the first place anyway. It was to get
4: a video. Sorry, I already answered one of these things. Blaze, you can answer this one. Sure, I'll go ahead. So, uh, the guy
2: in the sting operation, which Rosaria Dawson caught him in at the diner, he said that he wouldn't rat on the ring if he, if they captured Rosaria Dawson, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, but what, like, they like to do, and they explain this through the film, is that they like to, like, bring out, like, everyone's, like, lowest points, biggest insecurities so they can break them. Yeah. So he wanted Rosario Dawson to break. They're watchers. Yeah. They so, like watching the victims. So so they were going backwards to all her, like, traumatic cases, and the reason why she <laughs> talked to uh, the little figure skating friend <laughs> was was because... They wanted to get information about, like, what makes her tick, what makes her fearful. And she was doing it under the guise of, like, a reporter or something.
4: My understanding was that... What's the girl's name? Cassandra? Cassandra. Cassandra is doing her best to manipulate Bugs Bunny instead. And so she gives her dad a clue about where to look and manipulates Bugs Bunny to say i need inspiration wasn't the best thing i ever did after i watched that video of my mom i need inspiration again go to my old ice skating partner ask him questions show me a video Mm. so then she's like okay elvira my clearly evil henchman get out there and get a video bring it back
3: oh and okay
0: I, real quick, real quick aside, real quick aside, I did like the touch that we clearly got the impression that this Elvira character, I don't know what her real name was, uh, abused kid uh, from her past that was another victim that had turned, what could, Cass could eventually become if this, you know, doesn't get rescued. And I did like that approach, that little touch, like, she didn't have a choice, and in the end, she's... The, the Patsy, and she dies because of it, and it was all because of the abuse cycle, and that was just like, ooh. Uh, Alright, uh, does anyway.
1: anyone else have any uh, closing remarks or anything they want to discuss before we get to the uh, ratings? Nope, nope, nope. Alright, yep, let's top into our ratings for... <laughs> the captive 2014 starring canadian heartthrob ryan reynolds i will start with blaze so we can go from the top to bottom he'll be our highest i have a feeling go you have for a it, feeling? buddy
0: <laughs>
1: uh yeah i mean i just really really
2: really love this film um from the acting to the uh setting to the theme uh, you didn't tell me you didn't ask me the uh setting question i love the snow i thought the uh that was one of the coolest uh, chase scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time with the snow peel out and the one. guns and, you know, he crashes, but the cops are there. Oh, man. Chef's kiss. Um, Ryan Reynolds was a real tour de force in this film. Kevin Duran, who was Bugs Bunny. Uh, Mika was his character. I felt like he did a fantastic job. I thought Rosario Dawson and Scott Speedwell were great as supporting actors. Um, as Kevin uh, previously mentioned, the opera aspect was kind of cool. I'm not that uh, musically toned, so I'm glad that we have someone here to explain that uh, who did the operas and stuff like that. And... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just thought it was a really, really fun, enjoyable, tenseful thriller. And that's, I think, exactly what it was supposed to be. The kidnapping formula has done been time and time again, so anytime you get a new uh, spin on it, I really appreciate it. As far as that goes, uh, the only knock that I have to this movie was the nonlinear timeline because I really don't think at the end of the day it made that big of a difference. So at the end of the day, I am going to give this a B plus 24 and I'm probably going to watch it again in the next couple of years. And yeah, I just really like this movie. So good job,
1: Adam. All right. I'm going to hand it off to Kelly because I
4: think we're going to go to the bottom now. (laughs) He's trying (laughs) to make me and Blaze fight We don't really want to fight, we like each other Uh, Okay, the non-linear aspect of the story is the most interesting part And the part that I enjoyed the most And the thing that I think makes it set apart from anything else kind of in this genre Genre? Ryan Reynolds was the star And the further we stray from his light, the darker things become He did awesome. Everything that he was involved in was great part of the movie. Uh, But the further that we got from any scene with him, the worst things got as far as the story, as far as the acting, as far as the cheesiness, as far as... They're covering such a heavy topic, and I think that they don't do it any justice when they shy away from how gritty it could be. Um, And maybe that's just because they want to appeal to a broader audience. But then this shouldn't be something that's just entertainment value. And that's how it kind of felt for me, which just made me feel kind of icky. If you're going to do a movie about something like this, like be clear on what the focus is. Is it the emotional impact? Is it the way that the cops are? I don't feel like they fully fleshed out or explored anything like this. Or do you want to talk more about the ring itself and how things work and how to do something about it? I don't know. I feel like it should be a call to action, not just something to gawk at. And to poorly execute, in my opinion. The music, I think, was also oddly fitting in a lot of spots and not in a way that I thought was intentional or to make me feel uncomfortable. It just felt unfinished, unsettled, not in an intentionally unsettled way, too. with that, I think talking about it made it a little better. D plus 24. Okay. Let's go to Kevin next. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to
4: follow
0: that, that was um, so Kelly said a lot of things that I feel throughout this entire film um, I honestly felt for the most part that it was an over detailed slog that was hard for me to follow and I didn't really have any investment in any character outside of Ryan Reynolds I don't think that it was particularly um, tense in parts. I don't think that it was particularly compelling and like Kelly said, it took a very sub- serious subject matter and not made light of it by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly did not delve into it or show the sides that a, a viewer really would want to get out of out of watching a film like this. Um, I did enjoy a lot of the cinematography, the soundtrack, um, I did enjoy the, the snow and the scenery like we had talked about. The Niagara Falls and the hotel shots were, were excellent with the huge bay windows and looking out into the um, scene as the falls are falling in the background. And just in general, I, I enjoyed some of the the scenery, but it really felt like it was slow paced. I made a comment that the first interesting part for me happened at 55 minutes and the next one happened at like an hour 45. Like There was only two parts where I was really truly like, wow, what could happen here? Um, and the rest played out for for basic viewership. Um, in the end, I probably wouldn't recommend it to, to anybody else other than to say Ryan Reynolds did a really good job. If you like him, watch this, because he should not be minimized in my review whatsoever. He absolutely was fantastic. He deserves all the praise we've given him for this. And if you liked him in Deadpool, this is anything only thing not like him at all. It's completely different, but it reminds you that he is a really, really good actor and someone that you should give the time to. Uh, at the end, I'm going to give this a C plus 24 because of Ryan Reynolds and the, um, the backdrop. Uh, but other than that, there really wasn't much to it.
3: All right, Eric. All right. So I'm going to use the start of this to just kind of pick out one more part of this film. I really didn't like, how the fuck (laughs) would someone set up a bunch of Christmas trees on a road in sequential like pattern across a whole highway and no one would notice them? How the fuck would that happen i I'm so confused how when I saw all those Christmas trees right in a row leading up to where this guy was just hiding behind a little wagon where his daughter was i I was just so angry at that i Anyway, um, it was on a
1: closed road. <laughs>
3: yeah, it was a highway, like. Well, it was after, over the highway. It was, highway, but it was like in Niagara Falls, Ontario, which is like actually, you know, there's people that live there. It's not like a completely yeah, desolate was, wasteland. Uh, he had eight it was hours on a side
1: road and stuff, and yeah. uh, I did count all of the trees. There were uh, 20, and there were actually a highway, that many trees on that was a highway. the wagon. So, I was uh, happy with the consistency there because I did not believe that was going to be the case. So, well. Either right. way,
3: I generally agree. You better <laughs> give it an A now. No, I, I still think that was on a highway, like leading up to a side road. Either way, um, I generally agree Ryan Reynolds was a one saving grace for this film, and it saved me from giving this film a poor grade due to the shitty like timeline resolution there. And also just kind of the other bad actors in this. The pedophile and the daughter, I did not think do a great job. Like, Scott Speedman, he was okay, yes. He made me hate him as a cop. I also think there were points where I, I don't know, he just didn't deliver it for me. There was that one point where I think he asked Ryan Reynolds something about, like, his past. And he's like, somebody from your past, this is the present. There were several points where I kind of cringe. and I. I don't know, overall, I, I think this film could have been much better if the timeline was right in a row. Like, if they actually just had a normal timeline, I don't think the messed up timeline added anything to it, and that, in fact, became a great detriment to it. I could have even gotten over some of the bad acting if the timeline was more concrete. That being said, I will give this a D24. I I really think that this film got dragged down by a lot of the the bad stuff that I just... uh
1: you know said all right so d's across d and a d plus for the kiska gang over yeah. there um so i will give my two cents so again as the resident canadian i will have some favoritism and bias and i am not ashamed uh that being said this is an hour and 52 minutes making it one of our longest a24 films that we've watched uh it's also rated r and i feel like like you guys alluded to, um. Uh, it didn't have it never caught that like A twenty-four niche and it never dove into, you know, the yeah. you know, crossing that line of this is reality of like, you know, child pedophilia and how terrible it is, like I would expect from an A twenty-four film that, you know, tends mm-hmm. to cross those boundaries and and you know, has show doesn't reserve anything. It's gonna show you what it is, kind of thing. And for a two-hour film, Rated R, it did none of that. It never dove deeper into really, it just stayed, it was a very surface, felt very void of a lot of depth, and it felt like there was a lot of story that was just added and not dug into more. I think they should have just Mm -hmm. focused on the daughter and her being captured and then finding her and get rid of, make it a linear timeline like you guys talked about. We don't need to have Rosario Dawson kidnapped, Um, If you want to talk about the pedophile ring, maybe actually make it a part of the story and not just say that it exists and never talk about anyone else really involved with it or or dive deeper into, you know, maybe that other people of power are in it and stuff like that, but they never really dove into that. However, it's set in Canada. I love Canada. Niagara Falls is one of my favorite places. Been there been there many, many times. The U.S. side sucks. You gotta go to the Ontario side. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is a dreamboat. He is a phenomenal actor. Uh, he wears a Carhartt hat at one point, which is, is another amazing thing from the Michigan residents here. Yeah. Uh, uh, he drives a Ram F1 or uh, Ram 1500. I also am a Ram man. So, you know, there's a lot of good things stacking up in this film. Uh, overall, I... I would recommend this movie to, like, I wouldn't say, like, necessarily my mother, but, like, almost like the mom of the world, where they're like, I'm gonna watch, like, a movie that's kind of, like, edgy about, you know, with Ryan Reynolds and, and you know, this, this scary sex crimes and all this stuff, but never really dives into it, and it's all mm-hmm. just very, very surface, and you don't actually feel any of the terrible stuff. They never mention it once, That's all just whatever bullshit. So with that being said, I'm gonna give this one a C plus twenty four. I will not recommend it to anyone that actually likes A twenty four movies, but uh, you know, with the Canada representation and everything, uh, you got to give it that that Canadian C plus baby. Uh, with that being said, oh, yeah. uh, does anyone have any closing arguments or statements before we're done? I uh, you know.
2: Yeah, where's the Puzzle Man movie? I want that A twenty four.
1: Get on that. Yeah. I, uh so yeah. turns turns out Super that friends, puzzle man uh he becomes them. the Riddler in the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. So <laughs> real dark twist there. Yeah, he watched a lot of child pornography and got real fucked up and uh <laughs> oh, It's it I can't tell if you're kidding or not and that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh other than that, I appreciate right. I have a question time.
3: for you, Cole. Why is the Cole. Canadian side so much better? Like why did the American side Yeah, yeah. like you have yeah, so to well, No, I agree at, it is, if, but like
1: why did they make it like that? Well, it's just the way that the boundaries were divided up. Like, Niagara Falls kind of has, like, two sides to it, and the Mm -hmm. horseshoe side is on the Canadian side, and that is, like, Mm -hmm. the big, massive one that everyone thinks about when they think about the Niagara Falls, but the U.S. is kind of just, like, a side... Mm-hmm. Yeah. where it's like divided you know, a little bit.
0: I kind of wondered that when I went as a kid and looked at it, and like that's not yeah, how supposed know. to look so, like. so and like granted, say that it makes perfect. The, fucking the sense.
1: U.S. side has the very cool like bridge to nowhere land, where it kind of extends halfway out, and you can look go out and look. Does it actually cross? But mm-hmm. if, if you're gonna go to Niagara Falls, just go to the Canadian side. Um, do like the Maiden of the Mist and all that stuff, and they even have a a tunnel yeah. that goes to the back side of it. It's pretty dope. But yeah. I
0: did the American version of made it. Yeah, the well, you know,
1: got to go to the Canadian side. Everything's better on the Canada. Granted, there are no uh, I don't. Well, there might be a casino. There's more casinos on the U.S. side, and you get free drinks at casinos. It's illegal in Canada. They also got the uh, the revolving
2: restaurant on the Canadian side.
1: Yes, they do. Yeah, it's very overpriced and very mediocre food, but it's a cool experience. I was I was nine it was when i I was it. nine when it happened, so
2: I don't remember <laughs> it. But I just I have pictures. That's...
1: Yeah,
4: you and, gotta uh, do it once yeah, and, if and uh, listeners if you guys are still listening thank you so much and don't forget to rate us 5 stars on your favorite podcatcher I'm asking you right now because you are the most engaged listeners and I can't thank you enough for listening this far
1: wow
0: yeah you the best we love you all <laughs> <laughs>